Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Welcome to Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media, and focusing on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast, we interview instructors about how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. In this week's episode, episode three, we're doing something a little different. Byron Gilman Hernandez and Lauren Turbrock Elmstead are reprising a previous episode they initially recorded in the pre-COVID times that addressed stealing in the context of pedagogy. This week, they return to this conversation to explore what has changed about networks of stealing after a year of hybrid and virtual instruction. Hi. I'm Lauren Turbrock Elmstead, a PhD candidate in the English department at SLU and a graduate assistant for the Compass Lab. Today, I'm talking with Byron Gilman Hernandez, a fellow PhD candidate here in the department. Welcome, Byron. Thanks for having me. So, if any listeners have been around for a while, you may remember an episode from season one, episode six to be exact, in which Byron spoke with instructors about pedagogical stealing, our practice of basically plagiarizing ideas for our courses in the classroom. And that episode stemmed from, I believe, a post you saw, Byron, that pointed out the irony in the fact that plagiarism statements on syllabi are, in a sense, plagiarized. They're copied and pasted boilerplate statements. Am I remembering that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I like, I, I kind of almost forgot about that bit, that that's uh, what was kind of the incepting incident for it. Um, and just like, yeah, encountering that kind of humor and then be like, well, they actually do have kind of a point, you know, <laughs> that like it's our, a lot of our attitudes towards um, plagiarism and academic honesty and all that is really um it it, it kind of uh, uh cuts off some things that are um how would i put this not only helpful to teachers but essential like the idea of like you can't um copy and paste in a paper and we talk to our students about that we don't want them to be doing it but we do want people to not uh, we want to get away from that sense of everything must be original everything must be novel and new and also just as like the labor of teaching and one of the things going around uh actually taking a microphone interviewing people like uh then director of the writing program paul lynch and asking them about their use of stealing and they're like yeah of course of course i borrow things from other people of course i chat with my peers hear what they're doing and use it in my own my own work mm -hmm. yeah so um so this episode is going to be a bit of a re reiteration of that one, but with a pandemic twist. And one of the things you just mentioned that is so interesting is that idea of taking a microphone around to people and asking them about their practices of stealing um, with their teaching. And that is clearly not something we can do right now. Um, and it's also clearly not something we can do when we're talking about stealing from our peers. So at, at the time that we are recording this episode, we are quickly approaching the one year mark of 
I guess we could say our new normal, right? Mm -hmm. So Friday, March 13th, 2020, we all left for spring break and basically never came back, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, we got a lot of mixed messages from every angle. Um, But, you know, SLU eventually landed on the, you know, don't come back to campus. We are going totally remote. And we were given an extension of break to allow instructors time to shift classes from in-person to online. And it was a bit of a frenzy for all of us. Um, And so, you know, at a time that we were more isolated than ever, it seemed like we needed our community of instructors more than ever. You know, in those early days, do you remember how stealing kind of occurred for you and how that's changed? Here's one thing about my perspective on that. Um, I got to cheat. Uh, I might not necessarily be the best person for this because last year, my assistantship, I was working um, a 20-hour assistantship for the um, Ong chair for Dr. Jonathan Saude. So I wasn't teaching last year. I was entirely sitting on the outside perspective, watching all of you in the group chat and seeing the very many emails of like how people are trying to coordinate. Um, and a lot of me just kind of being the guy sitting there, sipping my drink and being like, wow, yeah, mm, good luck with that. And then learning absolutely nothing as I approach the uh, fall semester when I would be teaching again. So <laughs> I had a very so different ac- experience I actually... Yeah, I actually think that you would be a perfect person to ask this Mm -hmm. question because you were an outsider, right? For Mm -hmm. myself, I was teaching, it was my first semester teaching English 4000. So not only was I teaching an entirely new class, but halfway through it was, oh, by the way, totally, you know, redo this entire class, this collaborative class in which your students work totally in groups, um, you know, and do it totally remote. Um, so I guess, so you, I, you say that you didn't learn anything and that you mm. went into the fall then still lost, but there, you know, there has to be some, there has to be some sort of takeaway you got oh, from oh, watching the rest of us well, it's, it was <laughs> scramble. Is that like back a year ago when shutdowns were first happening and all this was crashing in, I was really, my mindset, and I think a lot of people had this, was like, okay, this is going to be dig in for the long haul. So... You know, the real dangerous part is going to be, you know, like it's going to, the cases are going to go down during the summer. We're going to open things back up and we just got to be prepared for the fall. And so I was really approaching this in the wrongest possible way, as we now know, uh, like with my expectations. And so it was like, you know, me um, over the summer, like, so as you were saying, Lauren, you taught uh, 4,000 for the first time that year. Um, And I was teaching 4,000 in the fall. And I actually had this really ambitious plan when I was first like, you know, asking if I could, when I was first figuring out like the assistantship stuff and the teaching stuff for that. I wanted to do a thing with um, restaurants. Like uh, I've seen, I went to C's and I saw a panel that was talking about different kinds of how restaurants use rhetoric on menus, sartorial rhetorics, super interesting, was really excited to do a business and professional writing class that focused on the restaurant industry. Cause I actually know some of the people um, who like, you know, 
own restaurants in St. Louis. I was sure I could get some uh, opportunities to get students to get more engaged, be in the field, fun stuff like that that just cannot happen in a pandemic. Not only because a lot of restaurants, you know, you can't eat in a restaurant. This was a really fraught uh, economic time. And I didn't, you know, want to just shove, okay, here's some undergrads who are going to look at your restaurant. Uh, hopefully everything's financially good for the rest of the semester. Because um, we just didn't know. And so I had to discard, like, everything I had in mind, everything planned, all my thoughts. And fortunately, you had a website for your class. Because I emailed you. Like, you know, so, hey, uh, about English 4000, do you have any, like, materials I could um, look at? And you sent me your website and your syllabus and all that. And uh, this was actually the first time I made a real point in kind of artistically doing my syllabus, like, making it look pretty and use fancy, like, design stuff on it. Because, like, I guess I felt like the need for a 4000 level class. But the big part of it was because so much, like all of it was just like, what did Lauren do? I looked at your calendar because I was just like, I have no idea what this, like teaching first year composition. I've been teaching it so many times, you know, like uh, so many, so many semesters of it that I know like the rhythm back in my head. It's like, okay, we should be here now. I talk about this now. We move on to this now, whether it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Tuesday, Thursday class. I, I just kind of generally know the layout, but I was like utterly like, you know, looking at what you were doing um, just to have um, not only like, because like a lot of this, it looks like I was like, you might think, you know, well, he was being lazy, he was cutting corners, he saved this the last minute and was caught off guard and all that. A lot of it was restoring confidence, like a sense of this is suddenly all of my prior assumptions of what a class looked like how classes were run, what this was going to be. Um, all of that just got kicked aside. And suddenly I was like, you know, I felt less prepared last semester than I did when I first came to SLU. And because of a uh, little uh, mix up in what they thought was my teaching history, um, I got told I was okay to teach my very first semester here. And I had never taught before, which is not typically how we do things here at SLU. And it was very much like, a, oh yeah, you're good. Just go into the classroom. You got this. And um, that was like a big, like, okay, rise to the occasion, optimistic, you know, it's a challenge, all this. Coming into the pandemic classroom, like trying to find a sense of confidence and self, like, you know, self-support, like a sense that I had what I needed to teach a lot of that came from the fact that I could see what you were doing, what you had done. Um, and it was definitely a class where you were like, yeah, so I had a lot of plans and had to change everything at spring break and all that. So me copying you is probably creating, this is sort of a weirdness and mutation to it now. Um, but as I'm teaching um, that business and professional, that English 4000 class this semester, um, it's uh, kind of continued to mutate from there, but it's still using that same sort of template that you built off of. Uh, that, I mean, sorry, that I built off of that you created. And so um, it really was the um, scaffolding I needed to really develop and evolve my own classroom. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting that you, that you say, you know, you we're working from my website and my syllabus, you know, my website and my syllabus came from Heather's 
syllabus and Nathaniel's syllabus, right? That, and so it is so interesting how these things are just passed around um, and these things are passed down and they are kind of reiterations of each other. And you, you, you know, you speak about this idea of cutting corners or taking the easy way out or something like that, that it's like, okay, I'm going into my first semester of teaching this class. And instead of doing everything from scratch, I'm just, I'm going to look at this other person's website and look at their course calendar and kind of do what I can from that and then change what I need to, to make, you know, to, to make it fit my own teaching style. But I, very clearly just offered all of that information up to you right it it, it like if I, if yeah. I, mm-hmm. if somebody sends me a message and says hey i'm teaching this class do you have any materials i will send you an entire google drive folder i will send you everything i can right and so i think that that is there is still just this sense of that stealing from our peers is laziness but it is actually just one of the most sincerest forms of community we as instructors can build I think. yeah um i you know and i previously talked about this podcast my work with uh the service learning um and developing like a service learning uh, uh style of teaching um in the first year composition class which again you know what's funny is i didn't know that your syllabus uh i knew that there was a nathaniel connection um but heather bosent witcher is really the kind of uh unacknowledged like I should say under acknowledged because I I knew definitely with the service learning, this was very much something she was involved in in the beginning. Um, Then on to Anessa Kemna who worked with me and then I passed it on to um, Abby and Lindsay and then it got interrupted by the pandemic and suddenly service sites did not seem like a viable strategy for uh, this. But um, yeah, just a sense of uh, history and community. And actually I recently just got an email from uh, a, a student who's uh, doing a capstone on service learning who's like, hey, I heard you did something with this. And like you said, I sent him, okay, here's my syllabus. Here's my, uh, some of the handouts I gave. Here's some of the stuff I used. Um, Yeah, and just a sense of, uh, when we talk about stealing, we kind of orient ourselves like, yeah. um, And it's kind of fun to think of ourselves as like, you know, like sneaking in and taking things from other people and like uh, getting a little bit of the enjoyment of being like misbehaving like that. But it's so much of our culture here at SLU is about like freely giving this stuff away and like, hey, I want people to use my ideas. I want to talk this stuff out. It really is um, one of those, like you said, like a really fundamental part of our, uh, how we build community because um teaching is hard and we all went through, you know, we were all a first year teacher once and we want to help people out. We want to share with them. Um, and we also want to show off some of the stuff we're proud of. Absolutely. And one of the things that we had talked about, um, in the, in the first iteration of this, you know, the original stealing episode, we talked about our social networks that we build on campus. You know, Adorsion 209 is really, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it be, it's the hub of, of where this stealing and sharing occurred. But now, you know, we're all at home. If we are on campus, we're 
distance from each other. Um, uh, you know, how has stealing changed for you in that sense of community since we are, we're more distanced than ever? It definitely made me attentive to a lot of things I had taken for granted um, in these community networks. Um, I mean, yeah, I can't just like, as you said at the very introduction, going around with a microphone and just like, like there's some people specifically who I wanted to speak to, but like, I just, Christina, who was one of the people I interviewed there, happened to be in 209 while I had the microphone, was just like chatting her up. It's like, hey, hey, do you want me to record, get a quote from you? Um, being amongst each other was, and just like having those chats was something that I did not give enough credit to. Um, in fact, that was kind of one of the things I was like, uh, my addition to um, the, uh, um, what's it called, business professional writing the English 4000 class from your syllabus is I put like the the little poem, the for one of a nail, the horse was lost, the shoe was lost, etc. Um, and just made that kind of my theme for uh, having students really focus on um, a doxography, which is a, a study of uh, the, the arguments for things of little value, because the pandemic just makes us so very attentive to these little things we didn't think of as essential. But no longer having a common space was uh, a big shift. And I actually think it's pretty educational um, for me, who is looking at, you know, leaving um, my assistantship um, and moving on to, you know, the adjuncting life and thinking about, well, okay, where where do I center my, well, I still have these spaces. Um, and is there a, where do we network for that? Um, and so your actual question, the specific thing you're saying about is where was I going to for stealing stuff? Um, and where was I doing that? Um, is sort of like thinking, where is our community now as SLU graduate students and teachers on assistantship, where do we center ourselves? Um, and it's funny how Facebook Messenger um, has like, of all the different like ways to communicate with somebody, it's like, it's stunning that I'm still kind of on Facebook. And the only thing I'm on Facebook for is because that's where all the rest of the graduate assistants are on. Like I talked to my students, my like 18 year old students, and they're all like, you know, none, they're not even on Facebook anymore. Like Facebook is for old people. <laughs> it's weird how like, yeah, it's central, like they're all on TikTok and yeah, and social media that I haven't even heard of, um, and uh, stuff like that. But like that uh, Facebook group chat, um, so like essential to just like you know, a lot of it is a lot of just irreverent joking and whatnot. But just from that spring break when it was like we're extending spring break to figure things out, and like talking with people and people like hashing things out, people discussing like you know. Um, Oh man, because I missed that first semester of like learning Zoom etiquette. I got to see all you guys with like the did all this and then a teacher student had to tell me I was muted, stuff like that. Or just like people describing to me like what it's like to a Zoom classroom of a bunch of black squares with white names, white uh, letters on it. Um, and I got to hear about all that and then um, 
promptly crashed into it at the start of fall semester with all my students having way more experience with pandemic teaching than I did because they had to go through it last semester. Um, but yeah, there was, that was definitely that, um, classroom talking about uh, classroom that, uh, group chat was very vital, not just for keeping community alive, but for just describing to me, here's what I'm going through. Here's what to know about, um, people sharing, um, Carol, Carol Hogan Downey, who was a, uh, another grad student and also a former compass lab, um, uh, worker and has been on this podcast before, uh, her sharing some of the stuff that was going on with her class for, uh, she always does a lot of stuff with their roll call asking like interesting questions and whatnot. And, uh, she was like sharing sometimes like the class gets a little sidetracked to have like a little bit of conversation about things like that. And I actually kind of, uh, took up some of that, not quite like how she was doing it with like roll call asking interesting questions because, um, roll calls are weird. I, I have not great internet. And so I'm always like really like sitting like anxious, like calling on someone's name and just waiting for them to answer is always, ugh. but, uh, having these like conversations at the start of class, like getting them like, you know, opening up to chat about it actually makes zoom a lot easier. Um, and so that was like, you know, some like techniques and tactics and, um, and I actually have to give credit for this. Um, SLU did require us to take, an online course where we uh, had to learn, like, I mean, it was like a required course for like, here's what the basics of an asynchronous um, class mu must be to qualify as a class under federal law, um, what's guidelines and some tactics and stuff like that. They made us do the uh, write a comment and then comment on two other comments um, which is, <laughs> I'm no fan of that as a strategy, but I do have to give them credit. There was some interesting ideas shared there in the Blackboard, you know, forum where somebody post a little bit about what they were thinking of doing. Somebody from like the philosophy department or, um, from the history department would share a little bit about like, well, I'm thinking of doing something like this. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. I actually hear that. That does, that does sound interesting. And that does sound like a strategy. And, as someone who's, as I was saying, toolkit basically was completely emptied as I was walking into the fall semester, having something like, oh, I'm going to try this out, does a lot to make me feel again like I'm an academic and I'm a professional and I'm like doing something and not, I'm totally out of my debt, freaking out, completely unmoored. And like, it, it really did a lot to like have something like that there. For sure. And it, it is interesting how you, um, you bring up Facebook Messenger and the, um, you know, our grad student chat we have there. And this idea of like, I can't believe I'm still on Facebook. And part of me is only on Facebook because I have these chats ongoing, right? And, mm -hmm. and that is kind of the best place that, I have for community um, right now. I am also always, um, I don't know why I'm surprised, but you know, when we get emails through the um, through the grad list, right? And it'll be a faculty member or a grad mm -hmm. student and it'll, you know, the 
original person will say, oh, by the way, you know, I learned this today. And then there will be a bunch of replies about either, you know, thankfulness for that little kind of tidbit of information or people expanding on that idea. And so it is interesting how, um, you know, the grad list has become a little bit you know, a, a space as well for sharing new ideas yeah. and information as well, not just with the grad students, but with faculty as well, who are who are also trying to navigate this alongside with us. Yeah, that was definitely, um, it's, it's funny, like, you know, right before the pan, it's, I, I want to say it was either, yeah, I think it was at the start of spring, um, we have we have a textual revolution series, and um, one of the series we had was a um, panel discussion um, that was myself, Alex Ocasio, Abby Jarvis, and chaired by Vincent Castrogola. Uh, that was like kind of talking a bit about, and you know, it's funny. It's literally only a year ago, but it feels like such a lifetime ago. I'm like, what were we talking about? <laughs> what was our theme again? What did I talk about for 15 minutes? But um, in that, one of the, the things we were talking about, and we had a really good Q&A afterwards about talking about like um, being better about sharing things, like talking about teaching between our, um, you know, our, our faculty, our tenure track, and um, those uh, fa like established faculty members with their PhDs and us grad students. And like, you know, having a bit more opportunities for us to talk kind of more like peers and be like, well, this is what we're doing in our classrooms. And this is what you're doing in your classrooms. And how can we learn more from each other? And it's a shame that we kind of got interrupted by the pandemic, which disrupted so many of our networks. But yeah, the, the, the grad list was definitely a place where these conversations were happening. Um, and then kind of to build on that, we were having parallel conversations commenting on the grad list in our Facebook chat um sometimes you know more irreverent and poking fun but it does kind of underscore how important it is for us like that we have spaces set aside because like you know how do we contact each other as grad students well we all are connected by email but we use facebook messenger because we like being outside our work emails to have these conversations about stuff and yeah, there's, yeah, no, I, I wasn't even really thinking about the grad list so much because, you know, you, we get so many emails and all that. And I, I, a lot of times in grad list chains, I don't feel like I ought to reply because I'm like, do I really want to send an email to every single one of my peers and colleagues? The dreaded um, reply all. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, but it definitely, God, you know, a year ago, I remember in March, like a lot of times we'd have like, you know, a fired up like, okay, well, here's what, here's something you could be doing. Here's something we're thinking about. Um, people having uh, little micro conversations in public that were um, asking for resources and people sharing their, what, what works, what they were doing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, it sounds as though, you know, a year, you know, a year later, um, stealing, still okay. Still useful, right? Um, but I mean, it has to happen in different ways. And yeah. And I think it also kind of teaches us a bit of humility, I think, to think about it like that. Like, you know, that uh, 
and I said earlier that we all get like kind of the enjoyment talking about stealing because we're breaking the rules. But a lot of like, you know, to steal from someone requires you to kind of admit like, like I said, like when I took your syllabus is admitting, I am not feeling confident. I am not feeling prepared. Um, and it, uh, you know, had to admit, you know, going to my network, going to my social, looking outside of myself and looking bigger than myself for resources and ideas. For mm -hmm. sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Byron, and talking about um, oh, thank you. talking about all the ways stealing has had to change for us. Um, and yeah, so keep stealing, keep offering it up. <laughs> like to get involved in this podcast series, to share an assignment or tool, or to pitch an interview, please contact me at sheila.corsi at slu.edu. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina.